You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Broadway Gives Back podcast. I'm your host, Jan Svensson. This podcast spotlights Broadway actors, shows, and organizations in their pursuit of social impact and philanthropy. Join us as some of the brightest lights on Broadway share their stories about their favorite charities and how they got involved, and the people and the causes who benefited from these philanthropic efforts. Today's podcast is part of our new series called The Global Goals, where we talk about tackling the world's to-do list to make our planet a better place. I'm joined by my passionate co-host for this series, Anika Larson who was a guest on this podcast last year and introduced me to the Global Goals. Anika is a brilliant actor and a Tony Award nominee, but most importantly, she's an activist and puts her time and energy into her social impact work. We decided to work together on this series and bring in guests to talk about the ways in which we all can make small changes for the greater good. Yay! Thank you, Jan. I'm fired up to be here. I'm so glad you're here. And now to introduce our guest... Best known for his role as Eric Beale on the CBS series NCIS Los Angeles, Barrett Foa is an incredibly talented crossover artist and actor who has performed in Hollywood and on stage. He made his Broadway debut in 2001 in the original cast of Mamma Mia, which launched his stage career, and then starred in shows like Avenue Q, the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, and in Buyer and Seller Off-Broadway. I am so excited to have Barrett with us today and so thrilled to be sharing the stage, pun intended, and the hosting duties with you, Anika. Welcome to the Broadway Gives Back podcast. Hi, Jan. Hi, Anika. It's so great to be here. (laughs) Um, Do you know Barrett and I, I also did Avenue Q, and my favorite Barrett story is that he, (laughs) because were you like the first, you were one of the first people who were actors who were taught puppetry in order to replace puppeteers because they ran out of, there are only so many puppeteers who could do Avenue Q and they started running out. So Barrett was one of the very first who learned puppetry, right? That's right. There was a puppet camp and I was the first camper. (laughs) And (laughs) we were locked in a room with a lot of puppets and a puppet expert and they taught us how to, how to, how to, how to do it. But it was a steep learning curve. You know, it's like learn this entire art form in, two days. These other people have been doing it for 15 years. So good luck. (laughs) And then, so I was, I had two weeks rehearsal. I joined the tour. I did the tour before I did the Broadway company. And I had two weeks to learn the show, which meant two weeks to learn words, music, staging, choreography, and an entirely new skill. And I remember I bumped into you and you were like, have you cried yet? And I said, it's puppetry. I was obsessed with the Muppets growing up. It's puppets. It's fun. I'm not going to cry. You said, everybody cries. Cut to, sure enough, at my put-in rehearsal, tears. Tears, tears, tears. It's too much for a brain to incorporate all at one time. It's a um, lot. Yeah. It's a lot. But, but then um, you get into it and you just love it. And you just, yeah. you, you become one with the puppet. And it's gorgeous. Yeah, I want to go to puppet camp. That sounds fun. Yeah, come on. (laughs) Just have your mom uh, label all your shirts so they don't get lost in the laundry. (laughs) The other, yeah. Uh, And Bear, we were just talking, you and I met back on the Tony Awards when you were our CBS social media correspondent. Official social media correspondent. Yes. Yes. And on stage, on stage, backstage host. Yes, yes. And knew every single person in the room. So it, was it was so fun. 
Yeah, uh, and then like in between it, when like um, Neil Patrick Harris or Hugh Jackman would say, we'll be back to commercial. And then they'd cut to me backstage with all like the Annie kids running around. And I'd be like, only CBS, be right back. Come on back. It was super fun. And when you yeah. say they, the director is my husband. Director yes, Tony my new husband. Congratulations. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Blushing bride. Did you know who married her, Barrett? Tell me. Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> Never heard of her. I mean, come on. <laughs> Whoa. Right? Okay, yes. connected. Uh, right. Yes, we've been engaged for a long time, but we actually made it official last week. So I'm a, I'm a new bride, a blushing Whoa, bride. Super new. Wow, super congratulations. Yes. Um, cool. But anyway, this is not about me. This is about you. <laughs> so what, what we thought we would do is we, we don't really need an icebreaker, but we thought we'd play a little icebreaker game with you, Barrett. Um, and Love it. We thought we would ask you some questions. Um, some of them will be essay, some will be multiple choice, and some will be just, you know, yes or no. Um, so are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> First question. Okay. What, what three words would you say describe yourself? Passionate. Yes. Um, uh, um, love uh, uh, in love with community and and friendships mm. and surrounding myself with good people mm. not one word um but <laughs> an idea hyphens. it's a very a long good word idea with hyphens. <laughs> with hyphens. and um uh and sensitive huh. i love that you closed your eyes while you were coming up with the words that's <laughs> true um okay if you could be part of any <laughs> fictional tv broadway or film family which one would you choose and why? Show oh my God, work. my first instinct. My, my first instinct. <laughs> oh, I'll always show my work. Maybe. Um, I, uh, my first instinct is um, the Keatons. Um, oh. Yeah. I, well, I, th I worked with um, Meredith Baxter. I did a production of Angels in America with her. And, wow. um, and Elise Keaton was just sort of like my TV mom. And sorry, we're talking about. Um, yeah, family uh, ties. We should family say that, ties. right? Yes. Sitcom and, back in the day. Yeah. And I just, it, they just seemed like such a cool family. And they're like, they were mm -hmm. sort of like hippie parents. And I wanted like hippie parents like that. <laughs> and um, I did not want to be Alex P. Keaton, but I probably had a little bit of a crush on Michael J. Fox because, sure, who I didn't? Mean, God. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, but when, it, weirdly enough, when I first met Meredith Baxter, I had filed away that she was sort of my TV, my fantasy TV mom. But then when I met her, she looked like my actual mom, like the TV version of my actual mom. And I never put that together. And my mom had passed a few years before. And I basically looked at her and burst into tears. And in the play of Angels in America, her character sort of becomes a mom character to prior to my character. Mm -hmm. So every night I got to just look into her eyes, think of my mom and burst into tears oh. quite naturally. Um, it was very beautiful. And I would love to be a part of the, the Keatons. Yeah. <laughs> Long answer. That was like a thousand times better of an answer that I ever expected. Yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. Beautiful. Let's segue into the lightning round, which where all you have to do is answer yes or no. How's that? Okay. I see multiple choice. I'll be good at this. Okay. Do you have a pet? <laughs> yes, she's right behind me if you want to see her. Oh, I do, I do. A, let, let, yeah, let's do do? Pa pause okay, for a moment so we can see, yes. <gasps> oh. Oh. Is, she a York is that a Yorkie? She is a Ewok. <laughs> Ewok. She is, she's like a Maltese poodle shih tzu mix kitchen sink. She's shoot. adorable. What's her name? Her name is Scotch, which is uh, named after my, my grandmother who passed away at the ripe young age of 101 and three quarters. Wow, wow. good genes. Um, her favorite drink was scotch and she drank it every day up until the day she died, <laughs> peacefully in her sleep, of course. Yeah. And um, this is this is scotch after her, her oh, favorite drink. So and, my, and my favorite drink. Well, scotch was young. Um, she's 11. She's, oh, well, that's why she's young. She's a tired girl. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, back to the lightning round. Do you speak any other, do you speak any other languages? Uh, converses, conversational Spanish. Okay. That was a yes or no question, but that's okay. Shoot, I'm, I'm not good. No. 
Yes. <laughs> sort of. Sort of. Um, is your bed made? Today? Yes. <laughs> yes. Would your 12-year-old self think that you are cool today? Um, yes or no? Yes. <laughs> Have you ever gone skydiving? But. <laughs> no, no, no. No buts. No buts. God damn it. No. All right. Okay. Have I ever done skydiving? Yes. Yes. Cool. Woo. Okay. Lightning round two. That's you, Anika. Go for All right. it. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Salty or sweet? Salty. And last one, summer or winter? Summer. Fair enough. You win. You got them all Yay. right. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm doing so well. What do I win? Um, then we get to move on to the podcast and talk about, <laughs> and talk about the important stuff. <laughs> Great. Like what? Um, well, actually, before we get into the global goals, I just wanted to mention that you are truly a philanthropist and an activist and that you do lots of different philanthropic efforts. And we can talk about those at the end if we want. So with that said, I am yes. going to throw to Anika to take us into the world of the United Nations global goals and yes. specifically goal number two. Yes, I am so nerdy for the global goals. Anybody out there who doesn't know, very quickly, they're like a framework for understanding how to take action to help. It's basically, they call themselves the world's to-do list. Um, and it's there's 17 of them, and it's it's really smart people got together, and all of the UN nations signed off on it. And it's basically the idea that all of our problems are interdependent and intersectional, and, and that, yes, it's not sustainable if we pollute our, our seas and our skies and our lands. Land, but it's also not sustainable if people don't have access to uh, clean water or education, if there's not gender equality or equality because of income or race or religious beliefs, um, that all of our problems are intertwined. And so that actually in solving one, you're also solving all the others. So it's sort of a way to find what you're passionate about and helps you find your way in to um, taking action to make a greener, fairer, and more prosperous world. So global goal number two is zero hunger. And you, Barrett, are vice president of the board. Is that correct? That's right. Of everyday action. And you guys, it is a genius idea. Please explain to us what everyday action does. Okay. there's. Uh, we were founded by two uh, DGA uh, ADs. So there's a lot of letters there. So let me break it down. <laughs> <clears throat> the Directors Guild of America, assistant director. So they're on set with, with us every day. So they, they worked on NCSLA, which I was a show that I was on for 12 years. And they were there and we all see it. Everyone in the crew, everyone in the cast sees food from catering and crafty at the end of the day, at the end of the meal, get just scraped into a trash can. Mm. Just and And sometimes those meals are, there's like, you know, a few salads left over. And sometimes catering prepares uh, for, you know, 300 extras that mm. we need on that day. But, you know, the, the sun shifts, the, 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 a cloud moves, someone's mm. aunt dies or whatever, something happens. And suddenly we are, we're dismissing those people and we have food for 300. Mm. And that every day, it would just go into a dumpster. Mm. So, and, and whenever our, these founder, the, our two founders, these ADs asked about that, they were like, you know, it's too complicated. Can't do anything about it. You know, we try, mm. it's, it, it, there's a lot to, and they're, so over because the pandemic. Because of the sort of the health, the food, food inspector, right? Like that you can't, yeah, that like it's the, the danger it's, in giving food. Yeah. Yes. No, go ahead. But there is, but that is an old law and an old thought. Yeah. But we, none of us really knew that we were just, we just, you know, you just take it for granted. Mm -hmm. Someone tells you something and you're like, yeah, yeah, probably too complicated. I won't be the one to figure it out. But these right. ladies during the pandemic were like, we don't have bupkis to do. Let's figure that out because yes. that's annoying us. And we keep being told no. And I bet there's a way we can figure it out. So they did, they mm. filed for their 501c3. They, uh, asked me, like, I was one of their first calls. Do you want to be on our board? Yes, absolutely. I said, and, um, and suddenly we are, you know, also we're run by ADs and women ADs who know what the F they are doing. <laughs> they know how to get stuff done. <clears throat> so, um, 
so so here we are uh two and a half years later we you know we just had our our first annual gala that went so well and um but basically okay basically let, let me let me just let me give you our our spiel i'll, yes. I'll read it i'll read some of it mm-hmm. so we're bridging the gap between hollywood and the unhoused everyday action safely swiftly and legally picks up the uneaten gourmet catered food from tv and film sets as well as select grocery stores and that is specifically in reference to a grocery chain called whole foods i don't know if you heard of it but (laughs) they give us a huge grant every year and we were working closely with one of their uh stores here in uh in la and we pick up about like 6,000 meals, I think, so far in the past, like, two wow. months. Um, food festivals, corporate events, c- commercials, anything that has excess food, you call us up, and we have drivers that will pick up that food and give it directly to our unhoused communities. So we have relationships with missions, shelters, um, orphanages, uh, food pantries. There's these things all over uh, L.A. called L.A. Community Fridges that are just refrigerators plugged in to a building on the outside of the building. And people know we, we go fill up these fills, fill up these fridges. Five minutes later, they're empty. Wow. Sometimes when I'm putting, because I do the food runs a lot too. When I'm putting these meals, again, these are gourmet meals, right? Sometimes it's like short ribs, like trout with, I mean, it's, it's all the gorgeous yumminess that they serve the actors. We put them in there and, and people are like, actually, can I have that before you even put it in the fridge? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's wonderful. Just give it, we give as much as away as possible. You know, we don't, we don't say one per person. It's just whoever needs it. And I'm getting very excited about it. Sorry. Um, yeah, it's really but the, exciting. <laughs> but the, yeah, the cool thing is that we're just sort of suddenly catching on like wildfire. And we're suddenly becoming like the food industry standard. Where it's like, well, you don't use everyday action. What are you doing with your food? You're putting it in a garbage can or you're composting it? No, put it, give it to someone who's going to eat it. Um, Sometimes we even go to the underpasses and just give out meals. I mean, it's so rewarding. It's so amazing. And people are so grateful. And it's not just, it's of course unhoused people, but it's also just like people with food insecurity passing by, coming home from school, Mm -hmm. some parents with kids. Like, hey, can we grab a meal? Of course. Anyway, it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can, can I ask you know, a logistical yeah. question? Please. Sorry. I'm, yes. So is it, who makes the decision um, that this is going to happen? Is it done through the crew or is it like a showrunner for a specific show or is it a studio? Like, how does it happen sort of, you know, from the top down or whatever, or from the bottom yeah. up? We, it, really, anyone can give us a call and then eventually we'll probably talk to the line producer Mm. and we'll give them our spiel. We have a contract. We've worked with so many shows. So, so many shows trust us. You know, at first it was like, I don't know who you are. What's going on? Are you going to, you know, uh, and especially with COVID, people were like, we don't want more people on our set. Mm. But we were like there with, you know, PPP and also we're run by actors. Oh, the other fun thing mm-hmm. is that the, our drivers are – are out of work PAs and background actors. So we're giving back to our own and we're giving them a little cash income to giving them work um, when they're in between gigs. Um, So anyway, but but they know how to be on a set. And so they're not Mm going to like ask for a autograph from a star, you know, that we're in and we're out. Um, We're called like food superheroes. And, um, and it's cool. So we, it's just, there's so many good things that happen. It's such a win, win, win that we're like reducing landfills and all the yes. environmental, um, all the, uh, the sustainability people on the, the sets um, uh, and, and the networks are over the moon about us. But I also did not answer your question. Um, <laughs> the question was about how, to, how it gets done. We eventually just talked to a line producer, get them to sign a contract and, suddenly we're just there and you don't even know we're there because we talk to like sustainability interns and uh, PAs and we just text with them and we're out of your hair. It's great. It's brilliant. 
the really, I love the beauty of it is, and this is true for really most efforts, um, is that it, you're not, it's not just about goal number two, which is, yes, of course, zero hunger. And hunger is the number one cause of death in the world. So just the good that you're doing in getting nutritious food to people. I know, it's stunning. But the good you're doing in getting food to people who need it is so wonderful. But the fact that you're giving employment to people who need it, that's goal number eight. That's decent work. Um, and the fact that you're minimizing waste. That's number 12, that's responsible consumption and production. And I did not know about composting. I am super nerdy for composting now, but I read this article about in New York City, $400 million is spent every year taking taking trash to places as far away as South Carolina to be in landfills. And a third of that is food waste that could be composted. And food waste, when it goes in a landfill, it gives off methane, which is one of the worst greenhouse gases. So having it sitting in trash heaps is, an, is terrible for the planet. Having it in people's bellies is so much better for the planet. So much better. The number of wins in, this, mm. in these efforts, it's just, it's it's so inspiring. It's so heartening. Thank you so thank you much, for, Bear. For thank it. you. Thank you for keeping me honest with the goals. I love that we're like checking off yeah. four or five of the goals. This is awesome. We should we should use this in our You sure yeah. should. And number 17 is partnerships for the goals. So that you guys are partnering with all of these different organizations, with the people that you're giving the food to those organizations, and then with all of the sets and all the organizations. It's partnerships are the way we're gonna get any of this done is by working together. Okay. Gosh, this I is why it. I love Anika because she's so nerdy <laughs> about this. It's like it's just, I, it's so yes. great. I'm just yeah. in awe. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks. <laughs> Two nerds, three nerds nerding out. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there well, is there any way that pe- like regular people um, can get involved in this effort? Absolutely. Ask, asking on behalf of people listening, maybe. <laughs> yes. Um, well, if you're in LA, we always need volunteer drivers. Um, uh, that's great. We, we do a lot of, uh, we have a lot of volunteers, but we can't do volunteers alone. So that's why we, we pay some people to really be our, our regulars. You might not want to say it, but I will say it. You can donate money. You could certainly go to their website and donate money. Yeah. Yes, and by the way, because... we will put the, we'll put the link to the website in the episode <sighs> page, as Thank well you. as the link to the global goals so that everybody will mm-hmm. have context. Yes, please. Thank you. Yes. Um, those donations go to uh, those drivers, those people who are, you know, we're trying to make, we're trying to give them a, somewhat a li- of a living wage in in Los Angeles, which is a tall order, um, but it's better than, you know, sometimes background actors that work, you know, two days a week or something. And then if they can fill this in, then they can actually make a living in Los Angeles. Um, but also we need more of those drivers and the more drivers we have, then the more shows we can pick up from. Cause yeah. right now we're at a point that we actually have to say no to shows because mm. we have so many shows and we only have so many drivers. Mm. Um, so which, which kills us because every time there is a show, uh, they're like, I'm like, that's so much food that's going to waste. Um, yeah. And just think about how many things shoot in Los Angeles. Right. Um, and we, we do, we work, all the way from Santa Clarita down to uh, San Pedro, which means nothing to you if you don't live in LA, but that's a big, <laughs> that's a lot of miles, but we cover them all. It's really unbelievable. Are there any, um, are there any um, plans to expand to other cities like New York or Atlanta, other places where they oh, shoot? I know we get, we get asked this all the time and we, yeah. yes, yes. That is the ultimate goal is world domination. <laughs> <laughs> Um, or at the very least, you're modeling it for other people who might want to try and start. But exactly. yes, it would be nice yes. if you could scale this up, if people gave you money, if you had enough. That, it just feels like you guys are unstoppable. Like this is just only, can only grow. Um, but then it's the growing pains of, you know, where you are right now and you're just growing too fast. Right. Great. And also we just, problem. we don't know the intricacies of each city, but if right. you know your intricacies, if you're an AD, if you're an actor... Yeah. who wants to start this in Atlanta or New York City or Albuquerque or wherever, well, whatever yeah. the hot shooting city is these days. <laughs> um, uh, I say, uh, let's talk, let's chat. We will compare notes and give you everything we have because yeah. we want this, you know, this isn't, yeah. The other thing is we would, we're also trying to get a, um, we got a, a, a van donated so we could um, mm. deliver more food. Mm. Um, 
because uh, right now it's just people's cars and there's only so much you can fit in your trunk. Right. Um, so we have a van, but we really want a food truck so that we get the food, keep it hot, and then go right to Skid Row and dole it out. And then that way we don't have it. We don't have to have as much packaging because we're really concerned about, we've thought of it all. We don't have, because packaging is a concern. And sometimes uh, hot food, if the packaging is a little wah wah, like the packaging sort of melts, you need high quality packaging, but we want compostable packaging. (laughs) There are, there are, there are issues, but we've navigated them all in a quick, two and a half years oh i'm so proud of us oh gosh <laughs> thank you, you for featuring be. us this is so sweet <laughs> get on board everyday action your everyday action.com nope your everyday action.org <laughs> <laughs> of course <laughs> at evernorth health services we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best it's possible pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line it's possible complex specialty care that cares about your roi it's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions that's wonder made possible learn more at evernorth.com wonder this episode is brought to you by reese's peanut butter cups in breaking news leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I have a question. So, you know, in thinking about just food insecurity and no hunger, zero hunger. I'm going to ask this question sort of more globally. Um, what can everyday people do? Um, you mentioned composting, which yeah. actually is something that's on my list, but I find it very hard to do. Um, but what are like what can listeners or fans of of yours or Barrett's do like on a you know on a smaller scale? Um, and sure. yes, we're going to assume that somebody's going to donate this this. Food truck and we'll Food truck, na- yes, with with naming rights, you know. So, um, mm-hmm. and um, and maybe they'll have we'll have some volunteers and and uh, and some donations. But in everybody yeah. in people's everyday lives, like what are things that people can do to support the goal? No, goal number two of zero hunger. What I really want to say is, it's not that scary to do something nice. But sometimes I feel like it. you think it's scary. There's like a, a fear around doing something sort of bold like that, or it feels a little insurmountable. I'll, for instance, I was vice president for a, a while before I started doing the food runs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we didn't have enough volunteers one day and they're like, Barrett, will you just, will you do a food run? And I was like, what do I do? I'm scared. There's mm-hmm. unhoused people. And I don't know how to, that, that makes me nervous. And I just remember the first run, I was like sort of sweating and like, I didn't know what was going to happen to me. And I was like, oh, it's not about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is about this food that I'm giving people. And everyone is very grateful and thankful for it. But you just sort of, as you drive by an underpass with people that like, you don't, sometimes I don't, um, or I used to sort of have that separation that helps you, helps me feel safe. And I'm like, those people are not me, even though I care about them and I feel bad that that's their situation right now. Mm -hmm. And, but making that link making that connection, making that handoff of a meal into someone's hands and them saying, thanks, uh, you're like, oh, humans. Mm-hmm. And I think breaking down those barriers is, uh, is, a, is a really important and making those actual connections and that, that to stop sort of um, that safe separation that we have. Uh, if we can bring bring people together on those on those human levels, I think that's gonna that's gonna be a big step for a lot of things, but to end hunger. 
Oof, yes, that was a philosophical Barrett. answer. <laughs> it was. Um, it was. And um, I'm going to get um, less philosophical and more pragmatic because you covered philosophical. And, um, you know, some of the huge targets for goal number two are really like they are global and they are they're stuff that we individuals can't do because they involve governments or multinational corporations. And so when it comes to stuff like that, I always say vote. Like just vote and vote for people who care about things like this, right? Vote for people who are going to create policy that, that does stuff about this. And then, um, and then also just on the globe, you know, you can always go to globalgoals.org and any of these goals, they give targets, but they also give, what can you do? And so some of the things that they recommend for this is it's really about thinking about your, where your food comes from. Um, and because it's about responsible agriculture too. And so it's trying to bind local and in season, which is, um, and often a lot of these things you have to, it, 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 you come from a place, place of privilege to be able to do these things, like to buy local from local farmers at, at farmers markets is often more expensive. Mm-hmm. So not everybody can do it. But supporting local agriculture is really important. Not wasting food is really important. Composting is important. Um, consuming less meat is important. It's, um, it's, it's really damaging to the environment. And so do, everybody doesn't have to become a vegetarian. But if everybody ate less meat, it would be significant. Um, the impact that it would have on the world. Um, yeah. So those are, those those, are sort of everyday things I, that everyday yeah. action. That everyday action. Take. Yeah. See, see what happened? I made that, I made that switch to vegetarianism and uh, I, I will admit I do eat um, fish on occasion, but <clears throat> I always thought I'd be a meat eater, meat eater. And then I started dating a guy and he was the vegetarian and, um, I don't know about you, but I like to share my food when I go to, go to a restaurant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want to, I just want to bite of everything. <laughs> and then I was like, well, if I get the meat thing, he's not going to be able to eat that. And then we're not going to be able to share. And it's not, it's not as fun. So I just was like, okay, well, when I'm with you, I'll just order the veg thing, which mm-hmm. more and more, especially in LA and especially around the world is just, just as delicious. If maybe not more delicious. And yeah, then I'm like, this trend. This transition is actually not that hard. And I'm sort of halfway there already or three quarters of the way there. And then it was just taking that tiny little step. And I love it. I don't miss Mm. meat. I never thought I'd be the person who didn't miss meat, but I do not miss it. I look at (laughs) menus and I'm like, are you sure you don't want that chicken sandwich? What about that bacon? You used to love bacon. (laughs) No, I'm fine. I don't know what it is. And I love the switch. It is, I did not, at first it was sort of for a boy and then yeah. it was for me and for the world. And I, and that. And do you feel that, healthier? Do you find you feel like physically healthier now that you're a vegetarian? I do. I think I thought it was going to like make me feel superpowers. I'm like, <laughs> no, I like it. It's good. Yeah. It's yeah. good. I'm not like a completely different person, but I just, I sort of don't ever want to go back. And I always thought that I was like, you know, maybe I'll dabble back in. No, not interested. Do you guys have stories about that? I want to jump in just because sometimes that's very, like becoming vegetarian or vegan. I have a vegan daughter, um, gluten-free, organic-only vegan daughter. Um, Mm. So that's so limiting. So my husband and I, how do you like that? Um, I just practiced that. Um, (laughs) We decided that we are only going to eat, we love meat. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. we only eat meat now once a month. We go to Cafe Luxembourg on the Upper West Side and we order our, you know, our steak frites with our fries. Uh-huh. Um, that's the only time once a month we splurge. But the rest of the time we're eating, you know, healthier and, and, um, and certainly more um, plant-based. So yeah. I, I just want to bring it up because sometimes it's just so mind-blowing. Like, I'm not, I can't become a vegetarian. Like, I, I know I can't say that out loud. I can't become a vegetarian. But to do, like, baby steps, I think, is more manageable. Yeah. And to know that once a month, I'm going to get that steak, you know? And I, I think that. if everybody just made smaller, you know, sort of baby steps, I think that helps, I agree. Too. Yeah. Now, sometimes people suggest for people who it's hard for is just be vegetarian one day a week. You know, Mm -hmm. like it's just, but if Mm -hmm. everybody ate half the amount of meat that they used to eat, like this, it would be a huge effect on the world Um, and um, on greenhouse gases. And uh, yeah, I mean, yes, it just in so many ways, it would be a really, a really huge effect. And I think people actually would realize that they didn't 
that they in the ways that they thought they'd miss it. They like Barrett didn't miss it. They don't. Yeah. yeah. I want to go back to something you said, Barrett, because it really resonated with me. This idea of humanity and connection with the unhoused. Mm. Um, mm. And I'm going to start crying, so bear with mm-hmm. me. But I grew up here in LA and um, my mom was, um, she just did her own thing. But like every Saturday afternoon, we went to the supermarket and we bought a bunch of groceries and we got donations of things that they were going to throw out anyway. And we would go and make sandwiches every Sunday morning and we would deliver them to Venice Beach to the, what we called them, the bums, because they can't say that today. But, um, and you know, um, that connection and that conversation was really important. It wasn't just that we were delivering food, but we were connecting. So uh, it was helping me, but it was also helping them have conversations that were meaningful conversations. And so I took that with me. And um, when I lived, we go back and forth between LA and New York. And when we're in New York, there's a, there's a, um, a, organization called um, Midnight Run. And it's very similar where they deliver food to um, the unhoused. The point of it isn't just delivering the food, um, but it's also about the conversation and the connection. And you sit at you know, sort of these makeshift tables in parks and on street corners, and you literally break bread and have a meal. And I feel like mm-hmm. that connection part of it is so important. And when you were talking about going under the underpass and kind of doing that that thing where you're kind of like not really looking, but kind of looking and feeling bad and feeling empathy, but not really connecting. I feel like that's such an important thing for people to sort of think about in their own lives. And it's hard. It's really hard and it's uncomfortable. But I feel like that's a really important piece to this whole, this whole goal number two is that connecting, mm. the connecting piece. Yes. Yeah. And it's uncomfortable for a second. Mm-hmm. And then you you realize you're talking to another human, exactly. and <laughs> you're exactly. like, and that person just has had a little twist of fate or a, a luck thing that is a little different than yours, you know, a way that they were born into whatever it is, and then this is where they are right now, and they could be in a house tomorrow. But this is just what's going on, and 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 the more you, I know people. I know people who have like fallen into addiction and, and you know, it's you, 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 all those, um, those down on the, on your luck things, you just realize they're like, Oh, that's just, it's all me. It's all me in like a multiverse, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I just happen to be in this yummy house with this yummy view, but you know, one click over in the, in another multiverse is, is, is me under an underpass. So let's be, why don't I just be kind to myself? By being yeah. kind to others, but for the grace of God, yeah, exactly. Is that going? Is that going woo woo on us? We're going real woo woo now, but yeah. I like it. That's like, that gets me in there though. That gets me in there because sometimes there's only so many like steps you can take, mm-hmm. but sometimes you got to break down the why and the and the the feeling part of it. Like, what's the heart thing that's that's blocking you? And then just the I love the sitting down and breaking bread with someone who's basically just you. Hey, tell me your story. Tell me your story. Want to eat something? Let's have a Sammy. Yeah. <laughs> with the first time we did it, I had my, my daughter with me, and she was young at the time. She was like eight or something. And we would do this like sort of on the first Saturday night of every month. And she was really into it. And she became friends with some of these unhoused um, neighbors and um, in the city. And, um, oh, my God, she'd go running over and they'd hug each other. And I was like, oh, God, don't hug, please. And then one day we were actually in the theater district and we were going to see a show. It was like a, you know, Thursday, Friday night or something. And we're walking. And all of a sudden she saw somebody literally climb out from, like, under a staircase from their box that they were, uh-huh. you know, sheltered in. And they're like, Anna, hey, how you doing? And there was like this big reunion on the street. But it was so beautiful. Yeah. And also, can we talk about your mom doing that with you? And then you doing that with your daughter? I love that. I love that progression, that pedigree. Um, what was your mom? How did your mom get to do that? Like, what, what angel was she? She was an angel. She did a lot. But, you know, she was a Holocaust survivor. And um, so I feel like that informed a lot of 
her philanthropic work and and she mm. was not um you know we didn't have a lot of money i mean we were fine but it wasn't like we could write big checks so my mom taught us to you know just give of ourselves and be a volunteer on a on a, on a you know a drive where we're going to drop off some food or um, make some sandwiches or you know help somebody who's you know sight has failed them and help them to the bank one day or whatever, small ah. things. So ah. I kind of grew up with the little things and I feel like those little things are, well, for me, they're just more manageable and they're more high touch. And I, I like that feedback. I like that connection. That's why I think I connected to when you talked about connecting. Yeah. And it, yeah, it helps you keep going instead of like, Oh, well, I wrote a check. I probably don't have to think about that anymore or <clears throat> it doesn't, have that same heart connection that keeps you sort of that keeps you sustainable, right? Yeah, if you will. Yes, <laughs> yes. Very but do you know what I mean? I like will. it keeps you instead of like um, I, I checked a goal today and it's fine. I'm done with that. I don't have to do that anymore because I, I won that thing. You know? Yeah. Well, it sort of sustainability like, yeah. is love. It really is an act of love. Whichever tack you're taking, it really is. And there's, I don't know, there's that silly Friends episode, but it's not silly because it's true where Joey is or somebody has challenged Phoebe because she, they've told her al that altruism feels good. So it's for you. And they're like trying to get her to do something for others that didn't feel good to her. And she just couldn't. And it was maddening. But there, it is that, that there, whatever chemicals are going off in your brain when you're doing good are this very similar to the ones when you're falling in love. Um, so, um, yeah. It feels good to do good. And, you know, Anika, yeah. you, you are so inspiring, you know, on the, you also have sort of the left brain, right brain thing going on with all of this, because, mm -hmm. you know, you can recite those 20, 17 global goals and you really <laughs> understand it. And you're looking at the big picture. And I so admire the fact that you can, um, you know, do this in a very sort of intellectual and strategic way. Um, well, thank you. I do have on the other side of my computer screen, the global goals printed out because I don't, I mean, I'm fake it till you make it right. Because I'm, I am so new to this and don't in any way profess to be an expert at this. But um, I think it's, I, I, I am obsessed lately with the Arthur Ashe quote, um, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. Um, and everyday action is a perfect example of that. But um, it really is, um, I feel like theater people, Broadway, um, we are storytellers. And, and how can I, in my local community, which is Broadway, use Broadway to amplify that and use my ability to be a storyteller to try and fire people up? Because I'm not going to be one of the innovators or the actual, you know, sort of policy problem solvers. So what do I, as a theater person, how do I, how do I what is the best way for me to start where I am, use what I have and do what I can? So... Um, so I have a script. I always have a script. So I come prepared. But um, but yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a genius about this. I'm just I'm just I just it's too important to ignore all of this. Um, and it's just it requires everybody as I another thing I like to say is do, doing the next right thing. It's a lyric from Frozen 2, but just do the next right thing, mm. whatever that is for you. Um, and it's different for everybody. And what's manageable in our lives is different for everybody. Um, so I'm currently unemployed. I have time for this, this vlog and these podcasts. Um, so, um, but not everybody has time. People are often just trying to get through the friction of their day. Um, and so those of us who can must, I think. So, um, yeah, no, I don't. Yeah. I, I, it's, yeah. it's so inspirational to see that, Anika. Like I seen, I saw you sort of make the decision and make the switch and, and you're like, I'm not on Instagram, but now I am on Instagram. <laughs> Because so reluctantly. It's for, <laughs> it's for a cause that is yeah. important to me. It's not just me being like, hey, come see me and almost famous, which is yeah. great also. But yeah. we have enough of that. We have a lot of that. But let's do something to change the yeah. world. And I, I really see you taking those steps. And it's very inspirational. Well, this isn't about me. This is not patting me on the back. Well, no, 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 no. But you know what? It, it, it's a conversation. But I will yeah. say that if anyone has to listen to- we're talking about taking steps. Yeah. If yeah. anyone hasn't listened to the podcast that we recorded back in December, they should go back and right. listen to that um, because Anika does talk about her story. Um, yeah. But I, you know, segue, I, I did want to ask you, Barrett, like you, not everybody, as we just talked about, does take action. So yeah. when did you grow up with, you know, a model of your parents or your community mm -hmm. or your church or anyone? Like, how did you become sort of an activist and a philanthropist? Mm. 
um, I grew up on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, and uh, my parents were very involved with local democratic grassroots politics. Mm. And I sort of didn't know what that meant because, I mean, they were also going to like fundraisers and they're just, they're sort of, they like to be social and, and, uh, and support causes and, you know, they're sort of all that, but they were never, um, they were never like touting it. They were never, what's the word I'm looking for? They were never like patting themselves on the back or like, look how amazing we are, or how giving we are. They're just like, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> And I remember, you know, the, the Lexington Democratic Club or like all these small, tiny uh, local. Oh, and my dad ran for state Senate twice. Oh. Um, and wow. uh, so, so, you know, they, they, they could, because he was like, what's going on with this neighborhood? Like we, we need to figure something out and we have a 26 year incumbent and things aren't changing. Well, let me, maybe I can be the change. And so I think that was inspirational. I think the fact that they weren't shouting it from the rooftops and they just were like sort of naturally doing that was inspirational. And only later after my mom passed the Lexington democratic club gave, uh, gave her a, an award posthumously. And then, and then we give, give, gave this award called the Linda Foa something award. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my, my dad wasn't in town and my brother wasn't in town. And I had to fly back to New York to present them. And so I, I walked into this room of, of this place that I've been hearing about since I was 10 years old, this like the Lexington Democratic Club, these, these small grassroots places. And I realized, I was like, this is not a glamorous Bennett. Mm. This is just people caring about really local things and doing things doing things on, on the grassroots level for enough, for no glory, for no glory. And my parents were pretty, um, are pretty, um, they're fancy people. <laughs> they have like, they like to like show up and show out and were always like sort of the best dressed in the room. And I just always assumed that what they were doing was like this fancy thing. And then I got into that room to present this award. And I was like, these are just some ordinary people doing good work. And I was like, oh, my parents were ordinary people this whole time. <laughs> I thought they were sort of doing it for themselves. I don't know if I made that, if I, if I brought it all around. But I, I, think, I think what I'm saying is, you. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> what it, was sort saying? Of, it was sort of in your DNA. And your parents obviously did have a huge impact and influence on, on how you then I think saw they the did. world, and right? It, it was only until later that I really sort of was like, oh, Barrett, you got to step it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also, there's, um, you know, I, I went to Interlochen Arts Camp um, and I have a scholarship that I started there called the Barrafoa Musical Theater Scholarship in Theater Arts or something like that. Yes, uh, because I it, love because that. it was it was such an important place to me. It gave me that passion that I talked about at, at, in the lightning round. Um, <laughs> that passion for the arts, arts, capital A, you know, mm. um, so I, I, I do like to give back. I like to teach. I like to, you know, it's, it's important. And it's, it's, I, I think my, my parents did teach me that. What advice would you give listeners on how they can tap into their, oh, their social impact or their, you know, purpose-driven work? I think that, A, you're powerful. You're more, you're more powerful than you think you are. And, be don't take no for an answer. Our our founders, Hillary Cohen and Sam Liu, mm. they didn't. Yeah. They didn't take no for an answer. They're like, we're gonna solve this problem. Mm. And then not only that, we're gonna make it flourish. Um so that's that's an inspirational thing. I don't I don't have that as much. I'm not like, I'll show you, I'll tear down the establishment. And because not everyone is. Thank God yeah. these two ladies were. Um, but I'll, I'll hop on board to your mission that I love. So if something's there and I can like, hang on, I, I'll be your worker bee, you know, I'll, I'll help you as best as I can with my connections. So it's just, it's like, see where you fit in. Are you the leader and the, 
you know, the, the Maverick? Or are you like, hey, plug me in. I, I'm yours to use. Like these two hands, just tell me where they go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think identify that and then, and then just like take your divining rod and be like, where's my, where do I need to go? Is it, is it hunger? Is it the environment? Is it politics? And, you know, get that heart space in there and you're going to go towards it and then you're going to find something. But be active about it. Yeah. That's great. All right. It's time for last words. <laughs> Both of you. Any last words on this topic? Um, my last words are Barrett's going to be on my vlog. So ah. if you liked him here, and how could you not, check out my vlog, Broadway Vlog to Save the Planet, where we will talk about actually familiar stuff. We're going to talk about everyday action and global goal number two. Fun. I can't wait. Thank you, Jan. And thank you, Anika. Um, and thank you for highlighting everyday action. Um, please donate. Please volunteer if you're in LA. Um, yeah, we need funds. We are growing, growing, and growing. And we can't grow anymore unless we grow some more. Do you get that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So help us grow. Um, thank you. Youreverydayaction.org. That's okay. great. Thank, thank you. you. Anika, what was the quote again from Frozen? Do the next, do the next right thing. You can't do the, sometimes you can't solve the massive problem, but all you can do is take the next right step for you in your life and then the next one and then the next one. I, I think that. that's the perfect ending. Can you sing it one more time and then we'll say thank you. I hope, Bobby and Kristen Lopez, I hope I'm, <laughs> it's been so long since I actually originally heard the song that I might be making up a new melody, but do the next right thing. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Broadway Gives Back podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and rate Broadway Gives Back wherever you stream your podcasts. You can also follow me on Facebook at Jan Friedlander Weiss and on Instagram at Jan for Good. Broadway Gives Back is part of the Broadway Podcast Network, produced by Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, Kimberly Garris, along with their team of amazing collaborators and wonderful humans. To learn more about this podcast and other Broadway podcasts, visit bpn.fm slash broadwaygivesback. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.